Krista Harding, and today we're talking to 2-9 couple Dave and Laura Deal about grief and loss, especially grief and loss with a pregnancy loss or with a child. I really wanted to make sure that we included this important topic this year because we do have big losses this year and every year, unfortunately. And we also know that in marriage, sometimes the losses of children and especially pregnancy losses don't always get processed fully because sometimes people don't know we're going through a loss. Spouses don't know how to connect to each other. And then with losses of older children, it can be even more difficult and draining. But all loss is loss, and we cannot measure one against another. So I really want to help you guys to understand this particular episode is for those who want to either support a friend or family member through grief and loss of a child or work through some of your own with some support because Dave and Laura are amazing. They have an entire ministry called GPS Hope, and that is the complete focus of their ministry is to help families through big losses. And they even have a cruise where they take people on a grief cruise to be together because what you'll learn from them is support is number one with other families who have gone through grief and loss. And Dave and Laura will be sharing their story of loss as well of their daughter, Becca. So I hope that you understand that today's episode is to uplift you and educate you so that you know how to walk through the valleys with your friends and family as well as to give you that personal reminder of hope. And that's what I love about their ministry is they're real and they know how to talk about what's real and how it's painful. And they also know how to give you hope when you need it most. We're going to just jump right into today's episode with Dave and Laura Deal of GPS Hope Ministries. I hope you'll check them out. I hope you'll check out their memorial page, all of the many special ways they're truly being lovely hospitality wherever they go. And they do go far and wide. Guys, I'm so happy to have you today. I really am. I know it's a big topic, but thank you so much, Dave and Laura, for coming. Oh, thank you for having us. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, me too. And as we were talking before, we have people, both of us, who are in grief every single day, really. So this is a topic we're familiar with, but it's not a topic people really expect me as a seven and then you guys as a two and a nine to really talk about because that's not really our natural bent, is it? No, definitely not. But when you're thrown into this world, you really don't have a choice. Yes, yes. I'm so sorry that you guys have that. Wow, has the Lord used you? Yeah, definitely. When you, uh, you know, the scripture in Romans, it talks about working everything out for our good. We lost our daughter um, almost 10 years ago. And mm. it's it's really or nine years ago. <laughs> I'm writing a book. So I'm like yeah. a year ahead of myself right now. Yeah. It is going on 10. Mm. But you feel like you want to just scratch that verse right out of the Bible because it's like, okay, God has hit his limit. <laughs> there mm. is absolutely no way God can work anything good from the death of my child. Mm. But he does. Mm. He does. When we give it to him, he does. That We'd rather is- have our child back. <laughs> yes. But, um, but he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just listening to that song the other day, Dear Younger Me. Mm-hmm. And I said, I, I mean, there's always that question of what would you do differently? And I just said to the Lord, I would screw that up so badly. You know, like <laughs> if I could go back, I would not do yeah. what you did and I would mess with your plan. And that's kind of what you're saying is we wouldn't have yeah. chosen this, but oh. wow, has God been using you guys? Yeah, he has. He has. 
So we're going to hear all about your story as much as you're comfortable to share about your ministry today. Um, but first, I wanted to just hear a little bit about how you guys met each other. <laughs> I'll let you know. Well, officially, it was at Arby's. I was working my way through college. Uh -huh. And she was there at the, working at, in high school. In high school, the end of her. I was at the beginning stage of college. She was at the end of high school. <laughs> yeah, awesome. So I love where that. We met. Yeah. She was. She was my supervisor, and nothing's really changed over the years. <laughs> oh my gosh, she was probably so fun. I also, interestingly, used to work at Arby's. Oh really? <laughs> Good place, great Yeah, <laughs> I met my husband during those years. And so apparently oh, this is like a good place to meet spouses. But um, but go. I love that you were his supervisor. So you guys just had a chemistry? Um, actually, well, yes and no. He was actually interested in someone else, and I had um had a baby right out of high school, and so mm -hmm. I was thinking that I was gonna get back with him, the father of the baby. Uh -huh. And so it really started out as a friendship. And we would go out and actually I'd pick up my little girl and we'd go next door to Perkins and stay up till midnight, one o'clock. <laughs> and uh, it really started as a friendship. And it, it took quite a while for us to realize that the friendship had actually developed into. I, I know when I realized he cornered me at Arby's <laughs> and um, he was like, something's wrong. I something you need to tell me what's up. And I and I finally said, well, I think I've fallen in love with you and I don't know if I was supposed to. <laughs> so, oh. so, yeah, so it kind of went from there. And once we got engaged, it was a, a short engagement, quick marriage. <laughs> so, quick adoption. And a quick adoption. He adopted oh. her right away. I fell in love with a little girl and, and she came with it. <laughs> oh my gosh, which is so beautiful and so very nine of you because nines are often so domestic, I find. So I love that. So you had a heart. Is this Becca? Is this the yes. daughter? Yeah. Okay. So, mm -hmm. so you got to meet Becca and you got to meet her mom and fell in love with them both. And yes. when she said that to you, did she, when she said, I think I'm in love with you, what did you say? Were you surprised? I was kind of taken aback and I said something very spiritual to her, like uh, something like fall in love with Jesus, grow in love with me. Now, isn't that? <laughs> I love I'm it. I'm happy to cover up like. You, you oh want to hear a really funny nine story? The first time he gave me a kiss. <laughs> oh, yes, I want to hear He that. offered me, he, we had some chocolate kisses and he asked me if I wanted a kiss. And I said, sure. And he gave me one. And then he spent the next week apologizing for giving me a kiss. <laughs> oh, Don't that is. the wrong uh, impression. <laughs> no, that is so sweet. Did you already really like her so much by the time you gave her that chocolate kiss? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. my gosh, that's beautiful. So you guys are uh, the glow couple that I call lovely hospitality because mm -hmm. I know that you guys tend to usually really extend love and grace to others. And I can see that already in your story about Becca, just inviting her in and feeling immediately this kinship with her. Did you guys start out in your early marriage as also being welcoming to others or did that come later? That's a good question. We, um, so. yeah, we did. I, but we also had four children together. So we have mm -hmm. five all together. So it was uh -huh. a very busy household. 
And so it's kind of like if we wanted to get together with anyone, we had to have them to our house (laughs) or we had to get a sitter. (laughs) So because not very many people will have a family of seven over for dinner or whatever. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Or let's go out. You get a sitter and we'll go out together. (laughs) Um, And I, I think some of that probably has to do with our subtypes when when you look at it well also visiting ministry back then too yeah because i was an international children's minister so um i did i was really busy with kids and ministry in that way and he did traveling for work so Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, so you did when we were back together it was about the kids (laughs) (laughs) yes which is actually super healthy that you guys had your boundaries in place. And I hear you saying it has to do with subtype and how busy you were with work. So tell me a little bit about that journey and tell me a little bit about your subtypes, if you don't mind, if you know them. <laughs> we were talking <laughs> about how deep. Yeah. Yeah. Subtypes are developed by the other eight numbers so they can find something they didn't like about nines. <laughs> Right. Subtypes make nines touchy, right? It's like, come on, guys. And Dave was saying, like, he's like, and we heard this when we had Truity on that Molly Owen said a lot of nines don't like to really get into the Enneagram that much. And I challenged her a little bit. And Dave's saying, yeah, she was probably right. We're not all into our subtypes, right, Dave? (laughs) Yeah. Well, he is, you figured out you're the. I'm probably the self-preservation more than anything. Mm. But there's a little bit of each one, but mm. that's probably my more natural. Yeah, because mm. he just he isolates himself a lot. You know, he'll just go back into the room and do something by himself um, mm. to relax or whatever. And I'm the social mm. um, because I'm a whole lot more comfortable being up in front of a group of people. Um, they're going to laugh at me. It's because I said something funny about myself, not something yeah. else. Someone else said something funny about me because that hurts. <laughs> yes. Yes. So you're sensitive and social. And yes. so I like how you guys, yeah, it is, but I get it so much. And I know a lot of social twos and I was just really learning even more recently about the social two and how it's a, it's a majorly leadership subtype. And so I hear Dave saying, okay, she leads me sometimes. And then you're both honoring his space sometimes. So in the marriage years, as we talk about, he's a lot better at honoring my space than I am honoring his. I was going to ask. Yeah. There's one thing that happens with the description of nines being uh, to themselves or not, not expressing what our true feelings and what our true wants are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes other people start digging more for what what is it you really want, and yeah. it starts to get the nine a little angry when they truly yeah. are just like, we don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> truly, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Guilty, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yes, because sometimes it is not a matter of I'm stubborn here and I'm just hiding it passive aggressively. It's like I do not care. So it right. is a beautiful yeah. pairing in that way. Honestly, self-preserving nine with the social two who very much does care but also wants to lead. That's neat. And it is a little different from sometimes we see a male lead. And do you feel like there are ways that you, Dave, do lead, or do you really prefer her to lead? I, I definitely lead in in different ways but i i think this is one thing that in the christian world you know the 
the whole leadership and the man taking the, the, the lead role can, you know, can get a little bit confusing because yeah. when the Bible talks about being the head of the home, mm-hmm. it's using the term head in the sense of headwaters, the beginning, mm-hmm. the one that starts it. And wow. as a husband, one of my main purposes or goals as a husband is to see the giftings in my wife and my children and trying to build around that Support and encourage that. them. So mm-hmm. I've spent my entire marriage supporting what the gifts that I saw in her. And mm-hmm. I, I'm just a supportive personality anyway. So why mm-hmm. wouldn't I? As opposed to, well, gal, I'm 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 the dad or you know, I'm the husband here. I'm supposed to lead. So I'll take those gifts and I'll be the one out front. That would just mess everything up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but the gifting that God has given it is what you have to really you know, air into and groom and allow it to flourish. Wow. I'm just floored because that's a beautiful way of hearing that. I never heard that before. And it makes so much sense. And it even reminds me of the nine often described as the great river. When you said the headwaters, it's a very Mm -hmm. flowing kind of family life when you're able to say, I'm not going to usurp and try to get past everybody and domineer but I'm going to let God be at work and foster that as much as I can in all of our lives here. So that yep. is, wow, a new way for me to hear that. And it's stunning. So, so and thank I, you. I'll say it was actually a struggle in our marriage for a long time because, you know, I grew up with that. The husband is the head of the home and I would try to push him into areas that were my gifting. You know, mm-hmm. why don't you have devotions with the kids? Why don't you, you know, do this? Why aren't you doing that? How come I'm doing it? And not realizing that he had the wisdom of because that's your gifting and that's your area. Why would I Step in and force myself into something that isn't, you know. She travels the world teaching people on how to lead children to the presence of God. Okay, so Mm -hmm. why wouldn't I take advantage of that in my own home? (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm the man. But that whole thing of, you know, but but he he led in in other ways that it took me a long time to really recognize. Hmm. Oh my gosh. That's such a word of encouragement to other similar pairs or anyone married to a nine um, is to see there are multiple ways of looking at the leadership. So thank you guys for sharing that. When you looked at your Enneagram glow guide for the two and nine, did anything stand out at you as a season of your life you were in or something that you could relate with? I think it just really kind of confirmed a lot of things that we have already seen or worked through. Um, I, I think of one thing that the Lord showed me a long time ago, which I think might kind of sum this up is that if we're both driving, if we're both, we're in the car and he's driving or I'm driving, we would go different routes to get to the same place. Mm -hmm. I like the back roads, avoid the stoplights, that Mm -hmm. kind of a thing. And he likes the direct route. Just get there. I don't care how many (laughs) stoplights. And um, what I came to realize is that his way isn't wrong. It's just different. Mm -hmm. It's not wrong. It's just different. We will get there either way. Doesn't matter which route we take. And so I I think that kind of is a good summary of (laughs) of what we've come to grow into in our marriage. I think, too, one of the things in our our vacations. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. 
kind of changed her idea of what a vacation was. Yeah. Well, you know, what draws you to your spouse is usually, it is true. It's usually what can drive you crazy within the marriage because, and he's so laid back. And I loved that about him. Our very first vacation, we went to South Carolina. I wake up in the morning. I'm like, what are we going to do today? What are we going to do today? He's we're on vacation. Yeah. What are we going to do today? Nothing. We're on vacation. <laughs> uh-huh. It's so funny. Now, when you're on vacation, do you do more of that? Do you guys merge a little bit? Do you find yourself actually needing the rest? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's been good for me in that way, <laughs> for sure. That's uh, Especially mm-hmm. after losing Becca, rest is a big, yeah. big deal for yeah. bereaved parents. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I want to hear more about that. Yeah. Tell me that because that is something that I think a lot of listeners need to to know that they're not alone and that um, that they're going to be okay, even though this is the hardest thing they may probably ever go through. So so this is a perfect time to transition to that. If you don't mind sharing a bit of your story. Um, Yeah. When Becca was three, she was diagnosed with bone cancer. And so Mm -hmm. she actually had her little left leg amputated. It was Mm -hmm. in her leg. And then she went through nine months of chemotherapy and they found out years later that one of the drugs they were giving children at the time and the amount they were giving was causing heart damage. So she was tested mm-hmm. and she had moderate heart damage. Mm-hmm. And um, it, as she got older, it was, it was getting a little bit worse, was able to be managed with medication. Mm-hmm. And um, eventually, well, when she got married and got pregnant, uh, she ended up, they moved her into the hospital because they just didn't know what her heart was going to do. And they needed her there in case her heart quit and they had to get the baby out fast. They gave her a 50, 50 chance of surviving the labor and the delivery. They just did not know what was going to happen. And when they took her away, when, when Becca had her cancer, I had a real presumptuous faith. I was, I mean, we had people fasting and praying for her, you know, this three-year-old with cancer. And, Mm -hmm. and I felt like the more people I told that God was going to heal her, the more he would have to honor his word and heal her. And Mm -hmm. when that didn't happen, it just caused Mm -hmm. me to reevaluate all this faith stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, I've, I've been on a journey of faith and learning that it's, it's knowing intimately and trusting God more than forcing an out, forcing his hand to an outcome. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not faith. Yeah. Faith is trusting him through whatever comes. And so when they took her away, I was crying in Dave's arms. And I said, I don't know. I'm crying because I know that I know I trust him. And he said, well, we don't know which way we're going to have to trust him for. And that was exactly it. And mm-hmm. God spared her life at that time. And the little baby was a preemie, but mm-hmm. um, everything was fine. But it did escalate the heart issues. And so for the next 10 years, she had major heart issues to the point where she needed a heart transplant. Wow. And um, she wasn't healthy enough to be put on the list. So they gave her a heart pump to run the left side mm-hmm. of her heart. There was so much that happened in that time. She had three med flight rides, a stroke, um, just all kinds of Sepsis. things sepsis Mm -hmm. yeah was crazy stuff that she should have never lived through and Mm -hmm. she kept surviving and surviving and surviving and so but um on october 12 2011 her heart just gave out Mm -hmm. and uh, she was in the hospital at the time was going to be released the next morning and uh so she i just like to say she went to go dance on two legs with jesus and and yes she did receive her healing Mm -hmm. but that's that's very hard for someone else to tell me that, but yeah. you know, but she is healed. She is whole. And it's like, don't tell me that. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. not what I, mm-hmm. one of the, one of the great ones. Mm-hmm. She's in a better place. Yeah. Oh. As a brief parent, 
no, they're better places right here with me. Yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. yeah. I mean, so. our, our head knows that, but our heart has a hard time agreeing with it. Yeah. And, and so um, I, if people want to read her story, it's on the website. There's, there's mm -hmm. actually a lot to it. Okay. To tell the story. Yeah. Thank you for sharing a piece of that. That is a hard journey and I'm glad God spared her life for that time. And I, I know that you guys are so wise now. And like we said, it's not a wisdom you would have chosen, but even with Dave saying, you know, there are some comments that really are hard to hear that we kind of bristle at as a grieving parent community. Mm -hmm. I think our listeners need to know what to say when they're with somebody who's lost somebody. Do you guys mind saying a couple things? And I know your website has some information too, but. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, let me say, don't start anything with at least. Mm -hmm. If you have to start with at least, well, at least you still have other children. At least you know where they are. At least if you have to start with at least, just don't say it. Okay. I think especially That's within it. the Christian community, we we feel compelled to come up with something that's going to encourage or soothe them or whatever and make them feel better make them feel better get the victory <laughs> but that's not mm -hmm. you know god tells us to weep with those who weep and that's mm -hmm. what we need to do just yes. be there with them let them know that this is affecting them too and don't say anything mm -hmm. <laughs> just, just say love. i mean even just saying mm -hmm. i don't know what to say and love on them and mm -hmm. don't compare i know when we say i know how you feel because i lost and especially if you're a parent mm -hmm. you don't know how i feel and i understand that people are taking their deepest loss mm -hmm. and that's they're trying to say i've had a deep loss too Mm. But as a parent who's lost a child, you cannot explain. Mm. It's a it's a suffocating darkness that I didn't even know existed. Now here I am mm. an international children's minister. Right. I right. did not know that there was that kind of darkness, mm. and um, it just takes you under. Mm. And so to hear, I know how you feel because I lost, and we we've even heard comparisons to pets. I mean, mm. <laughs> you're lucky we don't strangle you and tackle you to the ground yeah. when we hear yeah, that one. And I realize really pets are important hard. and part of the family, but, but um, yeah, don't compare the loss um, mm -hmm. because it just, even among parents, we don't compare our losses because we just know, I don't know how you feel. I know how I felt when I lost my daughter and I know mm -hmm. the place it took me to. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. That's important that really? even between people, there's a different experience. Yes. But you're yeah. saying when somebody's had, even no matter how much that person's pet or spouse or parent has meant to them, when they compare something that isn't the same to what you're going through, that's not helpful. And it brings up all kinds of emotions for a grieving parent, right? Yes, it does. Um, it especially does. early on. Mm -hmm. when they, you know, they, that's not the type of things they're going to want to hear. Mm -hmm. or need to hear. Yeah. And for, Grief parents, experts say that anything five years and earlier is still fresh grief mm -hmm. and yes. a traumatic grief. And it's considered a trauma. Mm -hmm. To lose your child is a trauma. And a lot of parents yes. have PTSD on top of that, mm -hmm. especially if they were the ones that found the body or even if they weren't there, but they knew it was a, a horrible death. They picture it over and over what it must have been like for their child. So a lot of parents also have PTSD. So it's mm -hmm. not something that you're just going to, okay, a year has gone by. Don't you think you should be getting better now? 
No, no, they need a good five years. Wow. Thank you for really helping us to even identify quantitatively. This is an extended time. And it sounds like from what I learned from you guys so far, even before this, that, um, the, the grief process is different too. You don't want to just limit people to the five stages of grief. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. Well, for one thing, the five stages of grief, a lot of people don't realize it was written in a book by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and she was, her book was written to terminally ill patients. It was not about dealing with grief after someone you love dies. Mm. She was talking to patients who were going to die. And these are the stages you will go through. And somehow it got turned into Mm -hmm. when you're grieving somebody's death. These are the five stages. It is not true. Mm. It is like a tangled ball of yarn. And you are all over the place for a long time Mm. for any kind Mm. of grief. Mm. And um, so... Can you throw, I know I, I was, I said that first to quantify what I was going to say. Yeah, no, I love that. That was really where I was going was tell me more about what it looks like. And you did, you said it's more of a tangled ball of yarn. And sometimes I think of a spider web. It's just, it's messy. It's all over, but you're saying just don't limit people to that either. If you're coming from another perspective where you come over, or maybe you're a counselor and you say, oh, now you're in the stage of depression. Now you're in the stage of acceptance. Now we need to move on to new goals. You're saying, right. It's not how it works. A lot of parents, um, they try going to counseling Mm -hmm. and they quit because it doesn't help because exactly that Mm -hmm. it's like this counselor does not get it. Mm -hmm. They just don't get it. And usually the best thing for parents now, like I said, some of them are going through PTSD and they, they do need help getting Mm -hmm. through that. Mm -hmm. Um, but for the most part from dozens and hundreds of parents that we have heard through, heard Mm -hmm. from, you know, over the last few years, the best thing they can do is connect with other parents who have been in Mm -hmm. that place because it's other parents that can give hope. It's other marriages that can give hope. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, seeing that you made it through, maybe I can make it through. And they don't believe that at first. I yeah. mean, they have told me, well, that may, that may be true for you, but I don't see me ever getting out of this darkness. And then mm-hmm. three years later, they're finally thinking about putting up a Christmas tree, mm-hmm. <laughs> those, those kinds of things. But the interesting thing is that with Becca having the amputation, mm-hmm. We actually, you know how you save things from your kids, and I actually boxed up her first prosthetic leg. Mm -hmm. So we travel with that, her little prosthetic leg, Mm -hmm. because it is an incredible illustration of what we're dealing with as parents, because a part of your very being has been cut off from you, Mm -hmm. and you have to figure out how to live with that part of you missing. And we had a front row seat to that with Becca, with her amputation. And so it's, it really is a good um, illustration of what it's like for a parent to lose a child. A part of you has been cut off. Now, how long do you think it takes to recover? And do you think that there are going to be lifelong things, limitations? um, Life is going to be different. It's going to look different. We have to handle life differently. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beginning that that pain is more than you can. Excruciating. You just, Mm -hmm. you never thought there that kind of pain before mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. a lot of pain at the beginning and mm-hmm. wow yeah you so. can't do it you can learn to live with that piece of you missing mm, and that's what I see in you guys too I love how your ministry is called GPS hope and mm-hmm. that's beautiful because you're saying 
amidst this tangled ball of yarn, finding the support, finding that others have walked through it, finding that you're not wrong if you're not going through the Kubler-Ross five stages of grief, (laughs) you know, you're okay. And it's okay. I even heard you guys saying to have moments of laughter and joy, to have moments of bleakness and despair, that it's a process and that God understands each of these phases. And that is so healing. And I think just for me, just encouraging to know that even from my own other experiences of grief and loss, which aren't as detrimental, and I wouldn't want to compare them, but just in the sense of all of our listeners who have had any grief, I think it comforts all of us, you guys, because it's a reminder that whatever you're dealing with, with grief and loss probably hasn't been so cookie cutter. Right. Yep. So thank you. That's a blessing. Me too. Um, What about as far as what somebody can expect if somebody says, and I I'm saying this because this is so common and I hear this a lot when they've had a miscarriage and somebody says, well, at least you didn't have your baby born all the way or the comments that people get when they're dealing with miscarriage or not getting time off work. How do you teach people to be gracious, but also to set some boundaries and to heal? Cause that has to be really hard. Yeah, we, um, there are so many good places that help those who have had a pregnancy loss. And mm-hmm. that's, that's one thing that we've learned right there is when you call it a miscarriage, mm-hmm. it accents to the mom that it was my fault. I miscarried oh, this wow. child. And so it's a pregnancy loss. It's a a pregnancy loss. You lost a child. And it's usually the people that uh, we come in contact with. It's interesting because they have lost a child Mm -hmm. and they connect with us. And then I find out they also had a pregnancy loss. And Mm -hmm. because it has been so downplayed, Mm -hmm. they don't even think about it. And when I give them permission and say, you lost a child. Mm. they'll just start crying because Mm -hmm. nobody has acknowledged that for them before. And it's very healing. They need to, you know, every year they're thinking about it. They're thinking about the day they lost the child and Mm -hmm. they're thinking about the day their due date Mm -hmm. that never happened. Mm -hmm. They see a child, the age that their child would be, and it triggers the grief. It is a very real and deep loss Mm -hmm. and it needs to be acknowledged. Mm. Wow. That's, That's very important that people listening know that you have every right to experience a loss. You don't have to feel guilty. You don't have have to feel, yeah, that you didn't and you don't have to be the one. And I was thinking of this earlier when you guys said, you know how people say at least to somebody who's had a loss, Mm -hmm. I've had um, some awareness of not to try to do that, hopefully with my training. But um, I think that I've heard people who have gone through miscarriages say that for themselves because the loss has been minimized. So mm-hmm. I think that's yes. kind of something I, I'm kind of clumsy with. I don't know if you have ideas if any of our listeners are walking a friend through miscarriage and the friend says, I'm kind of not going to process this. It's probably not our job to make them process it, of course. Mm-hmm. But would you encourage people to give space to their friends and family that have gone through a miscarriage and just encourage them to to that? Yeah, I mean, definitely. And I think even something that would be helpful is set a, a note on your calendar. And when it hits the one year mark, give them a call or send them a card and say, I'm praying for you and thinking of you. Because people just don't think about that. They just, they just don't think about those kinds of things. And I can guarantee you that those parents are thinking about it. You can't help but think about it. 
Mm -hmm. And also to give grace. It's really hard. And those who have the pregnancy loss, I mean, they will get to the point where they can be glad that you have your child because sometimes you may be pregnant at the same time and then your friend loses it, loses mm -hmm. the child. And, mm -hmm. and so then there's that constant reminder when they see your, mm -hmm. you know, the other child. And so giving them grace for that. Um, and even, mm -hmm. even acknowledging it and you may feel like, why would I want, want to bring it up? Cause that's just going to hurt. Well, I guarantee you they're already thinking it. Mm -hmm. They're already hurting. You can't make it worse by bringing it up. And it's the same thing with losing a child of any age. People just stop talking about our kids. And that's one of the greatest gifts you can give us is to open the door to let us talk about our kids. Mm. Oh, that's really a great reminder. It's so helpful to hear that we can incur. There is something we can do versus trying to give sage advice um, just to be a listener, just to be able yeah. to say, you know, I'm remembering this date with you and thinking of you or to extend another act of grace. If you're not a verbal person, something yeah, that lets yeah. them know that you thought of them. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it's like you're coming into their sacred place with them. And that's mm -hmm. a very precious thing. Yes. That's going to deepen the bond and help them to, mm -hmm. to probably, like you said, get the support they need to heal. And I'm mm -hmm. thinking of, I have so many questions, but one of them is for a couple who's walking through this together. One of the first couples I ever saw almost two decades ago was grieving a loss of a teen daughter. And one of the reasons, the main reason they came to see me was, of course, they needed some marriage help. And so I really love them. And I still have a Christmas ornament from them. Now hearing your story, I wish I would have been the one to give the Christmas ornament. Um, but I was, you know, green. <laughs> and so I was not, <laughs> right. I was listening I mean, to all that. Yeah. The ethical you? boards of do not give your clients a gift, you know, but it's like, <laughs> this is people, you know, this is why I'm right. coaching. Yeah. yeah. So, so I love them and think of them often. And, um, I guess I wanted to ask what, what tips do you have for those walking through any kind of a pregnancy loss or a loss of an older child for marriage? Uh, well, it's really interesting because um, we do retreats and we live in a motor home. We call it the Hope Mobile. And so mm -hmm. we actually go to where the parents are because it's really hard for them to have the energy to travel. And, the, you know, it's just mm -hmm. easier for us to come to them. But Dave actually teaches a session on marriage and it's it's really good. Mm -hmm. And um I'll, I'll, I'll summarize it just because I talk faster <laughs> and I'm used to being the Aww. one out. I call him the man behind the curtain. That really is. <laughs> you can turn that double, triple speed on. I can't do that. Oh, I love the that. bottom line is that men's brains are made differently than women's brains and men have um, compartmentalized everything. And, but they're, like he says, the, the grief shatters into all the boxes. You know, you pull out, the mm. men pull out a box. They think of whatever's in that box. They put it back in. Then they pull out. So they have a box for everything mm -hmm. and they don't cross. But grief shatters into all the boxes and they pull out a box and, and it's like all of a sudden there's a piece of He's Becca in that, back, in that oh, box wow. that was supposed to be work or that was supposed to be, oh, wow. you know, whatever it was. And so it really throws them. And women, it everything is connected to everything. So we're always one thought leads to another thought leads to another thought leads to another thought. And we just don't stop thinking and mm -hmm. it just go, our minds are just everywhere all the time. And so it makes it interesting for grief because men 
they go to another man about a problem if they think that man can fix it. Mm. Otherwise, they just don't talk about it. They go into their little nothing box and they process mm. it totally different than women do. Mm-hmm. Women, we process it by a lot of times. Now, this isn't a hard, fast rule. There are exceptions, right. but for the right. most part, mm-hmm. women process things. We immerse ourselves in it. So mm-hmm. I was constantly going to the cemetery, looking at pictures, and I would cry. And mm-hmm. and it's easy for the man to say, "Well, just stop thinking about it. You're mm-hmm. doing this to yourself." Now, that, Dave was that, very gracious in this. He was not solution. like that. They mm-hmm. offered their best solution. Yeah. Just stop yeah, thinking about it. Stop doing it. that. Yeah. Put the stuff. pictures away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I had to because it was the way I, I had to process this. Yeah. And a woman's solution is talk to me. Talk about it. You need to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And a man doesn't want to talk about it. That's not how they process it. And mm-hmm. so there can be a lot of friction there because I hear from a lot of women. How do I get my husband to talk to me about it? You don't. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. They don't need to talk about it the way we do. And they may open oh, up to wow. another man at some point, you know. Yeah. Oh, I mean, wow. it, it is important to at some point talk about it, mm-hmm. but it's got to be on their time, on their schedule, and mm-hmm. in their way. And That's a lot of times really... they don't want to talk to to their wife about it because they already know she's in so much pain. They it they it's just you not going to happen. Pain to mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially if they see her having a good day, and they know if I go down this road, mm-hmm. it's going to be a different day. And so then yeah. their wife says, "Why didn't you ask me about it?" And it's like because <laughs> you know I did. Yeah. I saw you having a good day. So I like how yeah. you're giving us some ideas, and and I like how uh-huh. Laura said it's not hard and fast, but it is. It is really mm-hmm. close to that. Even when we yeah. do our Enneagram research, women are more usually going to be twos Mm -hmm. and verbal processors and less of the withdrawing type. So it is almost a hard and fast. What were you going to say, Dave? Well, it does tend to seem to line up more with the male female issue than the Enneagram Mm -hmm. issue. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. That's just one. I don't know what it's going from there. No, but that's a good reminder. Some issues, Enneagram is, yeah, Enneagram is not the only filter. And that's a very important Mm -hmm. thing I try to say on this podcast is, God's done great things in the world without the Enneagram. It's a great tool. It helps us to order things so efficiently, but male, female is another tool and it's been bigger and broader. And so I think it's important that we do say sometimes, typically this is probably for listeners to know if your husband isn't listening and maybe we'll say the occasional four or five, nine wife might fit this. But even so, even with me not being somebody as a seven who wants to talk about difficult things. I often have said on this podcast, you know, just having that one week a month where I'm more emotional has helped tremendously to connect. So men Mm -hmm. don't have quite even that same fluctuation. So Mm -hmm. I literally love that you guys said, but he might talk to another man about it. I didn't know that. So that's kind of the direction you would go, Dave, is to talk guy to guy. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to find another bereaved father. Yeah. Well, it, yeah, and that's that's why it's so important for them to connect with other bereaved parents, mm-hmm. and uh, and even when we have our you know times together, or you go to support groups for bereaved parents, often you'll find more women than men. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that's very typical. But I would encourage men to get involved in those things just to get some relationships with other men that are experiencing some of the things you are. Mm-hmm. so that you have somebody you can talk to at some point. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important, though, for there has to be 
movement in both directions, though, um, because the wife does need to know that because it can come across as they don't even miss our child. Yeah. And so it is important for the husband to when the wife needs to talk, that he enters the conversation at least a little bit. Mm. And it's important for the wife not to constantly try to force him to talk about it and give him his space to grieve the way he needs to. So there needs to be a little closing of the gap, mm. but um, don't try to force it to go all the way. It's mm. it's it's going to really do a lot of damage. Yeah, yeah. You just and, realize it's okay. It's okay that we're processing this different. And there is the side that most husbands, and my experience definitely was when we're in the hospital room and I first found out that Rebecca passed away, my immediate thought had nothing to do with my loss of Becca. It had to do with the pain of my other daughter and my son's next to me. Where's my wife? What pain? You just instantly go in that protection mode where you want to you want to help them and protect them from the hurt they're feeling. Mm. And it can take weeks or months before you mm-hmm. even start to really deal with your own loss. Wow. You just revolutionized my way of understanding that because I've walked a lot of couples through miscarriage and usually the male goes into survival mode is how I've explained it. Survival for the family. But I mm-hmm. never knew that it would take them some time and then they would hit theirs later. So thank Mm -hmm. you for clarifying that, but also giving us some additional tools is um, your wife is a support to you. And when she brings it up, it might be a time to take some courage down the road and to say, okay, I'm going to lean in more. I love how you, Laura said, closing the gap is important um, at some points. And and leaning into the grief, Mm -hmm. not running away from it. Yeah. We like to say that we all, we're all good at saying there's no wrong way to grieve. But when it comes to your spouse, there's a wrong way to grieve. <laughs> That's how <Right>. we feel. <laughs> That's a really <laughs> good way not, to say it. Because you're not doing it like me. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. My husband's a one and he gets angry when there's grief, you know, and I'm like, where are you? And he's angry over there. So I think that it's just kind of a shock when our spouses are different. Um, yeah. Uh, so but I think that's beautiful that we can give the grace and then understand this is what it is. And um, mm-hmm. that's that comes with time. And I like how you guys are saying whatever Enneagram types you are, it's going to take some time. Men are probably going to be a lot slower, but it's going to hit them. They're going to need support from other males and their wife. And then it sounds like you two are also saying you've had to do some of your own inner work where you've met with the Lord. I'm just hearing some spiritual time as well. Would you add that? Uh, Well, I had a little prayer room uh, on, we didn't live in the, in the motor home at that point that came after Becca died for what we do, but I had a prayer room and I spent hours, literally hours in the presence of the Mm -hmm. Lord. And I know a lot of parents are very angry at God. They can't do that at the beginning because we all know God could have stopped it and he didn't. And they feel very betrayed by God, very angry at God. And that is something they have to work through. And that is part of why Dave and I do what we do. Because part of our calling, we feel like, is to believers whose faith has been shattered mm-hmm. and their their relationship with the Lord has to be rebuilt. And they need someone who's walked that road, who knows what it's like to be a child, that can let them be angry at God, that can let them, you know, say what they need to say and feel what they need to feel and still say that there is hope and you will get there and your relationship with God will probably be stronger than it ever was before. Mm -hmm. Um, But they don't believe that. (laughs) 
Mm. But it's just a very hard road. It's a very hard road. You guys are doing some incredible work because we know the sobering statistics for couples who walk through great loss. And so that's extra important that people really do meet with the Lord and get good support because we want couples to make it. We don't want you to have to have an additional loss of your marriage partner, but we understand that it's at a place where it feels like you said, we're we're not grieving the same, we're distancing. So I like how you're taking the personal time, trying to, to help people with all three elements, personal, relational with each other and the world. So you're really balancing out the subtypes right there. Um, and then I heard Dave say that he really likes to take time to himself. And is that a safe place for you to grieve sometimes in your kind of your SP mode, Dave? Oh, yeah. Um, when I was working as an IT manager when Becca passed away and I was able, fortunately, you get your you get your three days to grieve. Oh my goodness! <laughs> the society gives you for your work. Oh. Unfortunately, I had, um, I had some vacation, so I was gone for for a week. Some vacation, oh, huh? Yeah. God, right, but, right. But when uh when I went back, fortunately, I also had an office with the door I could close. Oh. <laughs> so during the day when there were difficult times, I could close that door. Now there's a lot of people that don't have that opportunity, mm. and. Uh, but yeah, there were a lot of times I would end up just throughout the day, I'd just close the door and deal with what I was dealing with and then open it up when I was ready to go on. And he had one time where he plays saxophone and he took his saxophones out to the grave and played some songs that he and Becca had done together um, just as a healing. Yeah, that was process. on my first Father's Day. Mm-hmm. She, Rebecca was the one that made me a, made me a father. And uh, yeah. I remember very vividly my first Father's Day with her. Most of our first Father's Day are with a little infant. Mine was with a, a three-year-old at the time. Yeah. And and so it was much more interactive. <laughs> so that was a very memorable first Father's Day. So my first Father's Day without her, because we were on the same worship team and she would lead worship and she really? wrote worship songs, um, I'd... That was just a very healing time to go to the graveyard. And I typically didn't go to the gravesite much, mm-hmm. especially by myself. Yeah. But that time was a precious time. And I was the only one out there in mm-hmm. open air, beautiful area. And I would just be playing the the songs that uh, she wrote and the songs that we worshiped together with. And it was just a, a pretty good healing mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Yeah. And it really speaks to you saying this is sometimes how somebody might need to grieve is not to have to put on survival for everybody else, but just to finally have that moment to say, this is me getting to feel my feelings. This is permission time and, and how hard, but how beautiful. And sounds like Mm -hmm. Becca, her beautiful personality, you got to just be with that for a little while. You got to really put that on and remember together and to understand that God has her, that she has a life with God. It's a sacred moment. One mm-hmm. of her favorite, most favorite worship songs that she wrote was called Before the Throne. And it's actually etched mm-hmm. on the back of her tombstone. And uh, so when I was playing that, obviously she was before the throne. Mm-hmm. You know, So it, it just added a little bit more of depth to that experience and knowing that she was singing it right along with me, but this time she was there. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, that gives me chills. That's One of moving. the things that I, I mean, parents know a lot of things that people want to tell us. We already know it in our head, but it has to sink into our heart. And from as a parent who's lost a child, one of the things that I really try to emphasize and remind other parents is that we will see them again. And God is the one who made that possible. Mm-hmm. God loves you and God loves your child so much mm-hmm. that he made sure there was a way that we could be together forever. Mm-hmm. And that can kind of begin to break through some of that anger and the betrayal um, because he did make a way that you're not mm-hmm. going to be without your child forever. And there are parents mm-hmm. who are very fearful and tormented in their fear that their child isn't in heaven. And mm-hmm. what I share with them is that you don't know. You don't know that. You don't have all the information. Your mm-hmm. child could have received the Lord at an earlier time and they didn't want to tell you. Maybe they were a teenager and they didn't want you on their case. <laughs> Are you reading your Bible? Are you, you should be going to youth group. You should. And they didn't say. I mean, there yeah. could be all kinds of times. And it could have been that exact moment of death that Jesus came to them and they said yes. And mm-hmm. Jesus received them. Yes. You don't know, you don't have all the information. Oh, wow. And that's so important. instead of choosing to be tormented by the fear that your child might not or probably isn't there because they didn't weren't living a life, instead choose to walk in faith and trust that God loved your child so much that he made every opportunity, including that exact moment of death. And they said yes, and crossed mm-hmm. over and are there waiting for you. Mm, oh, wow. And you just really spoke to almost every Hollywood movie that has a quote unquote villain die. Just that it is not that <laughs> right. black and white of an issue that we don't see. Not for any yeah. death, you know, a parent yeah. or anyone. Absolutely. Yes. You yes. just don't know. You don't have all the information. Right. So why torment yourself with that kind of fear? Mm-hmm. Now, Laura actually wrote a song called Together Forever. That mm. It's actually out on YouTube on the GPS Hope um, YouTube channel. Oh, so if you just look up together forever, GPS hope you find it out there. Oh my goodness. Well, that's perfect timing because I really want people to know about your resources. So tell them where they can find you guys and tell us a little bit about what they can even do on your webpage. Cause I saw some pretty cool things that you have going on there. Yeah, it's gpshope.org and mm-hmm. GPS stands for grieving parents, sharing hope. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's a lot there. You're right. <laughs> so mm-hmm. there's a section for if you're newly bereaved, there's yeah. a section if you know someone who's bereaved of a child. Um, and then there's also a section if you just feel really connected with us and you would like to help us to continue providing support and resources for parents. There's a place there. We have a members library for grieving parents that they can just give themselves a password and a and a, Uh, a user ID. And there's a whole library in there where they can get all kinds of resources. We have a podcast, Grieving Parents Sharing Hope, a YouTube channel. I do a blog. Um, I've written several books and um, in the process of recording a CD. So hopefully that'll be available for the end of the year. Writing another book. Writing another book. Yeah. Well, I'm working on a devotional book. Well, it's called Reflections of Hope. Mm. And I'm, I'm having other grieving parents do it with me. So wow. it's taking a long time, but I'm I'm writing each month and I'm sending it out to a group of grieving parents and getting their feedback um, so mm-hmm. that and they're all loving it. So I'm saying it's being really helpful, but it'll, it'll be every day you can get some sort of a reflection of hope as a grieving parent when that comes out. Oh, oh my goodness. This is phenomenal. Oh, go ahead, Dave. 
Mm -hmm. I was just saying, hopefully that'll be out by the end of the year. Yeah. But there's also a Facebook page for Uh grieving parents that just has daily encouragement. Uh One of the reasons we do what we do is because when we first lost Becca, Laura went out searching for for support out there. (laughs) And in the digital world, it was very, very dark. It was so dark. Books I would get. There were so many that said, it's hopeless. Your life will always be a mess. You'll never be the same. And it was like, I know I'll never be the same, but I have the seed of hope living in me. Mm. God wasn't blindsided by Becca's death. Mm. He didn't reach his limit in being able to help me. There's got to be a way out of this darkness. And so I I fought my way out. Mm. And then um, I guess the Lord knew my heart that I don't want to see other parents feel like they're going to be stuck there either. And so Mm. he just began growing this ministry into what it is today and just hoping to get to help other bereaved parents not take as long to get out of that darkness they'll Mm -hmm. never stop grieving their child Uh but to get out of that painful horrible darkness it it can take years for some Mm -hmm. and we want to be there to walk with them to help get them through that quicker Mm -hmm. so that they can eventually become other grieving parents sharing hope to other grieving parents. Wow, that is beautiful. And that's, and GPS stands for grieving. Grieving parents sharing hope. Oh, sharing hope. That is just phenomenal. And it's just such a witness of your gifts too that God gave you for Dave to be able to say, sweetheart, sometimes we need to rest. And then for you to be able to say with this social two slash eight energy that social twos have and eights (laughs) have two energy too. It's uh-huh. pioneering women like that and and couples like that who foster each other's gifts that really can do these global ministries. And I love to see a couple in balance because there's more you can do when you're in balance. And I love hearing Laura say earlier, yeah, he taught you to rest. And then also <laughs> Dave saying, I'm getting out of God's way and I'm letting her go. She's got a fire under her. <laughs> it's so beautiful. I also saw this beautiful piece on your web page where I thought this would be something so precious to some, where they can send in a picture and read the stories of yes. others. Um, oh. Memorial Wall. Mm-hmm. Yes. You get to send in your picture and your child's sunrise and sunset date. And then you mm-hmm. write something, what you want people to know about your child, and we'll put it all together and put it put it on our website. Well, that's mm-hmm. beautiful. And I would imagine that even a couple who's walked through a miscarriage without a picture oh, could yes. send a little memorial. That's Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. We'll put up prints or whatever, whatever they want. And we do also on our Hope Mobile. We call our house the Hope Mobile. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we live in it full time. Sold our house, and we we've got a big GPS Hope logo on the back, and and do this full time. But we have hearts on the Hope Mobile, and it's for anyone with any loss. And so we put your loved one's name on and where they're from. You get to pick the color of the heart and we put it on the Hope Mobile. And then it's like your loved one is traveling the nation with us. And people do walk around and read the hearts and see where people are from. And so if you've lost a child, you get a big six inch heart. And if you have, it's another loved one, then it's a four inch heart. They're a little bit smaller, but it's, it's a way to help us um, continue offering support and resources. It's a hundred dollar sponsorship. Yeah, and our oh, house yes, gets six miles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> our house gets six miles to the gallon. <laughs> so <laughs> it helps us keep going down the road to to and meet with other parents. If right, it's a pregnancy right. or infant loss, we'll put little baby feet on the heart yes. too. So yep. either blue or pink or one of each. If 
They didn't know. They didn't know mm-hmm. uh, the gender. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Brilliant and beautiful. And I love how you're letting our audience know how they can support you guys because even if somebody doesn't share your faith, they need it even more to be able to say, yeah. like, where do I go? I don't have a place. And so mm-hmm. I love that you guys are welcoming of everybody, but also there to say, God has you. And that mm-hmm. if you want to have community with us, we would love that. That's who we are. And that's what we're made for. And we have a bunch of others who have walked through this. So I think there's going to be a lot of people who are very blessed by today. And and thank you. And so if they want to donate um, outside of Giving Hearts, how can they do that? Just go to gpshope.org slash support. Okay. And there'll be a page there that they can they can use. So, hey, Krista, can I read something before we wrap it up? This kind of sums up our nine and two. I wrote this years ago at the beginning of our marriage. We had someone speak over us, pray over us. We were at church and someone prayed over us early in our marriage that our marriage would be like a lighthouse and people would be drawn to us. And it's become even and I, I wrote something based on that. And it's become even more. We had no idea. Obviously, God mm-hmm. knew, but we had no idea what a beacon of hope we would Mm -hmm. be providing um, in this situation. Mm -hmm. And so this, we redid it with a lighthouse (laughs) and uh, it's Mm -hmm. with us here in the motorhome. Not a whole lot came with us, but, but this is something it says, Lord, may our marriage and this home be a lighthouse. As you spoke over us years ago, let it be a powerhouse for your glory. May our home be a place of strength for those who are weary, a place of refuge for those who need hope, a place of peace for those in the storm, a place of victory for those in battle, a place of joy for those with tears, a place of unconditional love for those who feel rejected, a place of forgiveness for those who are bitter, a place of healing for those who are wounded, a place of light for those in darkness, a place of salvation for those who are lost. Our home is sanctified, set apart, and consecrated to you, our Lord and Almighty God. And I feel like that just really sums up mm-hmm. you know, who we are. Mm, I'm so glad, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. With God in the lead here, I can see all that he's doing in your life. So it is happening. And I'm so grateful he answered those prayers and even spoke that over to you as a young couple. And now as a couple who's walked this journey, you're like, oh my gosh, God, you're really amazing how you knew this was going to be our metaphor. Oh, Thank you so much. I'm going to be putting your links in the show notes and I just can't thank you enough for opening your hearts today and to just sharing with us. Thank you again. Oh, thank you for giving us this opportunity. That was such a gift to hear from Dave and Laura. I'm so glad that they were able to help us to understand loss and how it is part of the life cycle. But when it's such a part that's so unexpected, that there really aren't words, but knowing you have a community of support that cares and can just sit with you like Job's friends, boy, does it make the difference. And I hope that we can increasingly be with our people in their pain in ways that are healthy. I hope that we increasingly have people in our corners when it's our turn to grieve. I know that's meant the world to me. And we're, we're listening today about how there's just a different level of pain when you are no when you know somebody who's lost a child or when that's been you. So I hope that we'll all be deeper and richer individuals and even just embracing the ones we have better after the depths that we got to hear today that Dave and Laura just lent us their hearts for a while and let us hear 
their painful journey and even their triumphs in the painful journey and how they found each other. So I hope that you'll find your way through this week. I hope that this start to your week is somehow encouraging. And I hope that you guys have a lot of blessings with the people who you love and that you are a huge blessing to the people who love you. Okay, I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye.